Hey there, I've got something incredible to share with you today. I mean, it's a game changer, especially if you're skeptical or even have the slightest doubts about the ever-changing world of real estate investing. I mean, imagine if you could jump ahead in time to see exactly what the next decade holds in real estate. Now, what if I told you that you can not only see it, but also be a master player in this future landscape? You see, I'm getting together with a small group of aspiring real estate investors like yourself next month at the all new Epic Intensive, the 48 hour year. Now this isn't a seminar, it's a time machine to your successful future in real estate. Meaning if you knew what's about to take place over the next 10 years, you'll wish you started preparing a year ago. So in just 48 hours, I'm gonna turn back the clock and get you all caught up with the proven plan, essential resources, and the convenient capital that you're gonna need to leap a year ahead from where you stand today. And it's happening here in the heart of vibrant Las Vegas, January 26th through the 27th, 2024. So this is your golden ticket to leap a year ahead in just 48 hours. But wait, it gets better. If you're serious about your real estate investing, I'm seriously invested in you. How? Well, for the fast action takers, I'm covering your airfare and hotel stay here in Vegas. I mean, think about it. You're getting the crystal ball for the next 10 years in real estate. You get to network with like-minded investors and you get to experience hands-on transformative strategies all while enjoying the dynamic energy of Las Vegas. And the best part, the cost of getting here, it's on me. Now, I know it sounds too good to be true, but this is your moment. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're just starting out, the Epic Intensive is where your ambitions turn into achievable goals. So don't let skepticism hold you back from a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The time's ticking and spots are limited, and the plane tickets and hotel reservations are even more so. So get the details and claim your spot at Intensive2024.com. Intensive2024.com. Go there now. See you in Vegas. This is Terrio Media. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for an explosive episode on the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast. In today's episode, our guest is one and only Tom Zeeb. Zeeb, a real estate titan and founder of Traction Real Estate Investors Association, shares his journey from a life-altering whitewater rafting accident to real estate success. But this isn't your average success story. It's a testament to resilience. Zeeb dives into lightning-fast strategies for finding cash buyers in wholesaling and navigating local real estate Investors Association meetings. This episode is your ringside ticket to real estate victory, but that's not all. Zeeb looks into the future, predicting market shifts with contagious excitement. Challenging markets, according to Zeeb, are golden opportunities for creative minds in real estate. Tighten your seatbelts, because this isn't an ordinary podcast. It's a clash of wisdom, a bout of insights, and a battle of strategies that will leave you on the edge of your seat. Get ready for the epic real estate investing podcast, Tom Zeeb edition. It's not just a podcast. It's your ringside seat to success in real estate. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, strap in. It's time for the epic real estate investing show. We'll be your guides as we navigate the housing market, the landscape of creative financing strategies, and everything you need to swap that office chair for a beach chair. If you're looking for some one-on-one help, meet us at reiace.com. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. Hey there, joining us today is a transformative figure in real estate investing, overcoming a life-altering whitewater rafting incident in 2001, which I didn't know about and I want to ask him about. 
return to real estate, transitioning from a nine to five job to successful investing career. And as president of Traction Real Estate Investors Association and founder of Traction Real Estate Mentors, he's known for his impactful mentorship and innovative strategies. His journey from adversity to success inspires many, proving the power of resilience and smart investing. Currently based in Florida, he's a best-selling author and a guiding force for investors at all levels. Please help me welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show, Tom Zeeb. Tom, welcome to Epic. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. You bet. I can't believe uh, this is your first time here, as long as we've known each other. I know. I've known you a long time. <laughs> That's, That's all right. right. That's right. <laughs> well, it's great to catch up and we'll kind of let everybody sit in and listen because you know your, your journey, it's a testament to the power of real strategic thinking and, and resilience in the market. So I want to talk today about something that's particularly relevant in today's landscape, and that's finding cash buyers. Yeah. You know, and with the market uh, constantly evolving, this has become a challenge for many investors. And you being a successful wholesale investor, what is your go-to strategy for quickly finding cash buyers when you're just starting in wholesaling? My number one place to find them is I attend RIA meetings. Go Indeed. find your local real estate investors association. That is a room full of rehabbers and landlords who are looking for properties, who want more properties, but they get so wrapped up, you know, rehabbers get wrapped up rehabbing, landlords get wrapped up landlording, that they're not always out there looking for more deals. So as a wholesaler, if I just focus on finding deals, I know I've got people to sell them to because they're there at the meeting and the active ones are there. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's a very much, with, with so much technology and now AI here, it's such an overlooked uh, way to do things. But really, at the end of the day, all of the technology, all the lead generation stuff, all the tricks and gadgets, it's all for one purpose. And that's just to get you to face to face with a buyer or a seller. And well, they have these meetings once a month where all the buyers and sellers go at the same time, right? You could really cut out the middleman. It's old school to tell people to get together in a room, but yeah. it's amazing what you can do. You know who you get along with, you know who you'd want to sell to, you get a sense of, you know, do you like them? Do you trust them? Et cetera. That's, I mean, that, you can't get that any other way. Just, just be face to face. Right. All right. So let's say someone is like, okay, I'm a believer. I'll do it. They're walking into an event like this for the very first time and they see a bunch of people and that could be kind of intimidating for people. Um, what's your advice to the person like that in that situation? Turn it into a game, gamify it. Like anytime you want to try to get, get to a goal, turn it into a game, have some fun with it. So I remember when I started out. It, yeah, you're shy. You know, you don't know anything. You walk in the room and people you think are all experts on everything and you're a know nothing. Well, turn it into a game. So what I would do is I say, I'm not leaving here till I have 10 business cards in my back pocket. Mm -hmm. I would literally go around, you know, shake hands, say hello, exchange information, put it in my back pocket and then quickly move on to the next conversation. You can't get, you know, that, that urge to feel comfortable and just talk to right. somebody all night long is actually bad because mm -hmm. you want to meet as many people as possible. You can always get together with somebody else after for lunch or coffee. So I, I turn it into a game like that. Go around and set a number. If, if you think 10 is too high, then start with five. Start with three. Start with whatever it's going to take to get you going. Start with one. You know, one person's a list. That's how, that's how a list starts with one, then two, then three, et cetera. Right. And I don't know, from my history, my past, you don't need a big buyer's list if you're good at finding deals. A list of one can be very, very powerful if it's the right one, right? Yeah. You get a good deal, the buyer's will come to you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's say you got, you walk out of there with 10 business cards and you know, what's next? 
type them up, <laughs> get them, get them in a database of some sort. It doesn't have to be fancy software mm-hmm. or anything. I just, I pop it right into Microsoft Outlook. There's my list. Uh, and the people are tagged buyer. I know who they are, but I usually like to ask my buyers some initial questions. Uh, Matt, this part's not critical, but it's, if I like to know, you know, you're looking for rehab, you're looking for rentals. You have any particular criteria, usual formula or the particular neighborhoods, but that stuff can change what people tell you. But I ask it anyway because I want to hear it because it gets me motivated about knowing where to focus my marketing and what kind of level of negotiation I need to be doing to get these people to buy from me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two schools of thought on this, and I find myself more often on the other side than the majority, but I don't know. I want to get your take. Do you think it's more important to find the deal first or to find the buyers first? More important to find the deal. Oh, that, thank you. <laughs> that, okay, well, look, buyers, buyers will come out of the woodwork when you got a deal. Right. But getting a motivated seller, you know, finding them and negotiating with them to make it into a deal, that takes more. Otherwise, it's like looking for likes on social media. Okay, you got somebody to click thumbs up or, you know, whoopee dang. That doesn't, that doesn't make you any money. I, I want you to start building your buyers list. Don't get me wrong, right? You should always be building your buyers list, but just having a buyers list doesn't make you any money. You got to find a motivated seller. Right, right. And the fastest way to build a buyers list is to find the deals. Yes. Right. There's no yes. sort of, there's still, even with the economy doing what it is today, if it's even doing anything, I think a lot of it is being driven by public sentiment right now. Because people are still out there doing business and gosh, I'm just at all the building and the development going on around me. Like there's no shortage of money in the system for a good deal. And if you find the, find the deals, you find the buyers. So now you're going out, you, you've, you've got your, you put them into your list. Do you do any, um, you know, any sort of engagement before the deal or you just flat out, I got them in my list and I just wait till I find a deal now? I'll, I'll send out an initial, hey, you know, Great to meet you. I'm going to, you know, kind of almost like you're on my list. Great to meet you. Uh, you know, if you need anything, just click reply. Let me know. Uh, when I have great deals, I'm going to send them to you. So it's almost like a one way permission thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It just, just kind of confirm I got it. Cause you know what happens sometimes? Sometimes you get a bounce back. You know, you mistyped or their address was wrong. You misread. So it, it, it helps you right at the beginning. Just clear that out. Mm-hmm. Got it. Any other methods? I mean, if that's your go-to, is that is that enough for you, or do you have other uh, ways that you go about finding buyers? Well, I've got I've got other ways as well. I mean, that's my main go-to. I I think that's the best way. Uh, another great way, my second favorite, is find cash buyers, existing cash buyers that have just purchased something for cash in the areas that you're targeting. Because if they bought for cash once, they'll probably buy for cash again. They're most likely an investor. I mean, uh, who who buys for cash, man? Right. <laughs> Investors and Californians. Uh, right. They, California, right. Other than that, <laughs> so one out of 10 is a Californian, nine out of 10 are investors. So if you, you can use your MLS system to pull, uh, previous cash transactions. A lot of people don't realize that. They don't understand how that's done. You can figure it out with, with your agent to search an area, search whatever zip code or county or city, look for transactions that were closed with cash. Because when an agent closes out a transaction to close out the listing, they have to a- answer a number of questions. One of those questions is, what was the financing type used? Right. Well, if it's cash, that's an investor. Put them on your list. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of agents, there's so many different resources out there that, that aggregate all of this data. But there's, there's really none of them have been able to master the, the MLS data, right? It's a lot of it's third-party information. It's not updated on a regular basis. You don't have access to the expires or the, what the actually things have sold for, particularly if you're going to go into the non-disclosure states. There's, a, there's one service out there that I like a lot that I'll use 
But you know, you should still have that real estate agent as a part of your team. And that could be difficult to find. I always say it's sometimes it's, it's more difficult to find a, a cooperative real estate investor with, or excuse me, a, a real estate agent with the work ethic than it is to find a motivated seller. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes it is. Yeah. I, it's, luckily, there's a lot of fish out there in that water. There's tons of people with a license. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't. Uh, you, you do have to churn through them. And look, at the end of the day, you're going to kiss a lot of frogs. Yeah, that is for sure. <laughs> keep, keep kissing. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we've gotten to the point here in Vegas. I think we've got through seven or eight of them that uh, just can't keep up with us, right? And so Mercedes is just going to go get her license and just do it that way. So look, that's an easy way. It's an option for people. You know, go get your license. Or if you have a relationship with someone who's close with a broker, if you have a relationship with a broker, a lot of times if the broker signs off on somebody becoming uh, an assistant, mm -hmm. they can have direct uh, email access. For the most part, the brokers have complete power right. in, in their area. So they can name anybody an assistant without having to bother to go get the license. So that's everyone's personal call. Right, right. Interesting. Because... Uh in Mercedes networking mastermind group here, there is a broker in her thing. And I've always known about the assistant thing, but that didn't cross my mind until you just reminded me of it right now. <laughs> Glad wow. I can help. Perfect. Let's see. How do you, once you have a deal, you've got your list, you've got a deal, how do you present it to uh, your, your cash buyers? How do you share it with your list? And do you do anything special to like make it irresistible or more appealing? If the price is right and you put together a decent description, that makes it pretty darn irresistible. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I don't have to throw in a big screen TV or anything because the, the deal should speak for itself. And the number one way I write it up and announce it to my list is via email, which almost seems old fashioned too. But mm -hmm. it, the moment I get the contract from the motivated seller, mm -hmm. I, I send it over to my, my title company to have them, you know, settlement company, have them start to get the process going. And then I sit down and write up a buyer's list message. I state what it is, where it is, when I think about it, what I think it's worth. And I back that up with a link to MLS comps. Mm -hmm. I show them, I, I state what I think the repair estimate is. And I back that up with an entire photo gallery, photo gallery taken from my inspection. Oh, and by the way, I don't put photos into the email. It's a link to a photo gallery. That way I don't get spammed out. Uh, and then I put my asking price and anything else I have to in there. And then also for me, it's very important. I say my Settlement company, no exceptions. Because mm -hmm. I'm the wholesaler. I want to maintain control. So I don't want them thinking they're going to go. It is, you know, I state I'm not selling a property. I'm selling the contract. This is, I have this under contract and I'm assigning it. My settlement company, no exceptions. That way I'm maintaining control the whole time. Got it. So you've been doing this for how long now, Tom? I started in 2001. Okay. So that would be a, a long time ago. Long time. <laughs> 23 years. Yeah. Okay. So that's, you got about five year head start on me. Um, <laughs> so with that, how many people are on your buyers list right now that, I mean, that are real buyers? Oh, well, it's funny. So I have my main buyers list and then I have my preferred okay. buyers list. So yeah, I trim that preferred buyers list is down to about probably about 24, 25. Mm -hmm. I, the people I've sold to again and again. And again, and I like it that way. You could almost do the deal on a handshake. I mean, it's still always in writing and we still always sign contracts, but it, you know, it's when you get used to the same buyers again and again, you'll like it that way. But it, it starts with that wider range that you start with that bigger list. And then, you know, once you've, once you've sold to somebody once, they're going, Hey, 
feed me another one and feed me another one. And sometimes they'll take as many as you can get, or they'll take as many as they can handle at a given time. Mm-hmm. So if I've got a month where I've got three, maybe one person can't take all of those. Okay, fine. Well, then, I, then I have multiple buyers for that. Mm-hmm. What happens or, or what do you do when you send out your email with your deal and nothing comes back? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Ooh, I, I hate that day, Matt. <laughs> then I have to have a really cold, hard look at the numbers. I'm like, what the heck happened here? Why isn't anyone going for this? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, 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 I look at everything again. I see what do I think's off? And then I will call my call. Usually I reach out to my top few buyers and say, Hey, did you get that email? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, you don't like that? Why not? And usually when this happens, they'll say, Tom, I, your repair estimate's off. Or I don't agree with what you think is worth all fixed up. And I, I argue with them to try to justify it. Hey, look, it happens every now and then I screw it up. All right, I made a mistake. Well, then, but at least I know if, if I've talked to two, three, four different buyers and they're all telling me the same thing and the prices are all clustering at a different level. Well, now I have a target for renegotiation. Right. And then I've got to have a very awkward conversation with my motivated seller. Like, yeah, I know we agreed on something and I know we signed, but I'm going to have to bow out and walk away because, you know, I screwed this up. I've been talking to some of the senior people in my group or, or whoever my higher authority is. That way it's not, I'm not totally to blame. I said, look, this is the best we can do now. And I have to work them down in price. If I can get it for the new target price, because I know what it would sell at, because I've just asked my main buyers, why didn't you like it? What would you like it at? Mm-hmm. And so if I can get it, great. If I can't, then I got to walk away. Yeah. Because sometimes you, you, you got a deal and the market tells you it's not really a deal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would say that if you can't sell a deal, it's for one of two reasons. Either you haven't shared it with enough people. Yeah. And, and today with the internet and just, I mean, a big email list, that's typically going to be more than enough. And then the second thing is, it's just not the deal you think it is. Right. Right. Yeah. You messed something up. I, I, I teach my, my students that there's three critical numbers. Mm-hmm. You got to get these three critical numbers right. Because if you screw any of them up, that's when it doesn't sell. So when something doesn't sell, like no, none of my buyers want it. I go back to my three critical numbers. The first one is the ARV, the after repair value, mm-hmm. it, which I have to prove with comps. And so maybe I haven't proven it right or enough or I'm, or I'm flat out wrong. Second number is the repair estimate. That's the trickier one, but you know, I've, I've gotten good at it over the years, but sometimes, you know, people see something in the photos that I didn't. That, that's fine. And then the third critical number you got to know to know whether or not you have a deal is the lowest price the seller is willing to take. So generally, you know, which you negotiate down to generally it's the first or second number that's messed up when buyers don't want it which means I then have to go back and adjust the third. Thanks for sitting tight while we pay our light bill. We'll be back right after this. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Matt Terrio, investor, tell us where the deals are. This week's deal is in Indianapolis, Indiana. And tell us what the numbers are. Welcome to an exclusive opportunity in the heart of Indianapolis, where astute investors like yourself are invited to seize the keys to a prime three-bedroom 
one-bath single-family residence nestled in a flourishing neighborhood, boasting an impressive 1,236 square feet. This property is not just an investment. It's a gateway to wealth creation and long-term prosperity. But hold on to your seat because this property is undergoing an extensive rehab, unlocking its true potential. While the finished photos are still in the works, rest assured that this gem won't linger on the market for long. Here's the kicker. You have the exclusive chance to claim it before the public listing, avoiding the imminent competition rush. Now let's dive into the outstanding benefits awaiting the savvy investor. Beyond immediate cash flow considerations influenced by recent interest rate changes, this property holds the key to wealth building through various avenues. Think tax benefits, appreciation, and the magic of amortization. And the real kicker? Responsible leverage can amplify your gains, utilizing OPM, other people's money, to build substantial wealth. Picture this, an owner-occupant neighborhood strategically poised in a revitalization hotspot of Indianapolis. Imagine the city's green light on a brand new park just blocks away, complemented by a state-of-the-art recreation center. For those busy professionals itching to invest, but strapped for time, this property is your golden ticket. For more information on this property and others like it, snag a free investor package from cashflowsavvy.com. Ever hear someone say, I have too much money? Me neither. Let's get you some more. Back to the show. What do you do if you've got a cash buyer comes in and they want to buy it from you? Do you have any sort of vetting process for your buyers to kind of evaluate if they're going to get oh, yeah. it or not? Absolutely. So what do you, how do you do that? You'll love this one. If you want to play ball with me, mm-hmm. I need to see your bank account statement. Mm. And that bank account needs to show me that you've got enough money to take the entire deal down. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the, the underlying purchase price and my assignment fee. I have to see that you've got the cash in the bank to do that. Or that you send me your line of credit statement showing me that you've got enough available credit to do it. Because mm-hmm. at this point, Matt, if they're hesitating, I'm going, guys, this is a cash deal. I mean, you know. As soon as the title works down, we can close. This isn't complicated. It's not right. like a bank deal where I got to sign, you know, 7,000 pages of paperwork. This is easy. This is like, you know, 20 pages. We're done. So it, I worry about it. Then sometimes at that point, they say, oh, well, I'm using hard money. Right. Now I might be okay with that, but I'm glad I know now because I want to talk directly at a hard money lender because anyone else that kind of needs to decide whether or not my deal is going to go through, I get nervous. So I, I prefer the people that have their own cash. And the only way to prove that is to show me the money. Right, right. All right, show me the money. It's simple enough. Yeah. So looking back, what, what's one mistake you've made when sourcing cash buyers that you'd want to uh, warn others to avoid? Dude, I, this sounds horribly cynical. But don't take anyone's word for it. Mm-hmm. There's a reason I ask to see their bank account because everyone tells me they've got the money. Right. Everyone tells me they're the biggest player in the real estate industry in whatever area you're in. And guess what? Very few of them actually are. The only way to prove it is to see the money. I got to see the bank account. I got to see the uh, line of credit statement. So, okay. So then you just said something that brings something up. When you're talking to your students and, and every single one of my students, hands down, thinks their market 
is too competitive and oversaturated and they want to go somewhere else, right? You've heard that too? <laughs> Every single time, darn near. Anyone, anyone that's done a little bit of like dabbling before they met me, absolutely 100% across the board. If they're brand new and fresh, they don't know any better. And that's probably a better place to be. You know, when you've got a lot of people out there and you think there's a lot of investors out there, uh, what, what's your advice to your students? Advice to get moving no matter what is, I'll tell you what, this is something I learned on my very first deal, which was an absolute disaster. I mean, I started off, I bought a six unit building in New York City, landlord friendly New York City. I had all professional tenants and right. I, 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 I did just the deal on New York's uh, squatter laws and they're just oh, yeah. terrible. <laughs> the <laughs> insanity is, is, yeah. I mean, it, it's off the charts. So I darn near went under from this deal, right? My first deal almost took me completely under. I was a classic motivated seller. I was desperate to get rid of this place. Mm-hmm. And so I would, since I was also trying to become a real estate investor and I was learning more during the time that this deal had went down, Matt, I turned around and I said, I need to do a, a reverse marketing campaign. I need to find investors to save me the motivated seller. I called every ad in the paper. I called, uh, it was the early days of the internet, but I called every internet ad I could find. I called every flyer in every coffee shop. I called... Anyone I could reach out to, every bandit sign, called them up. Guess how many people answered the phone? None. None. Zero. I think you got to be kidding me. Guess how many called me back from the messages I left? Mm-hmm. None. None. Are you? I mean, did I not sound desperate, motivated enough? Like, please help me, save me from this. So I went, wait a minute. Why are these people spending money on marketing when they don't pick up the phone or they don't even bother to call back? So I, wait a minute. I don't think a lot of the competition out there is actually as competitive as we think. I think there's this false perception that everybody's doing real estate. Look at all those people at the group. Look at all these people online. Look at all these people interested. That's great. How many of them are actually marketing? Yeah. And for the whatever, 2% that actually are, well, fine. You've, you've wiped out 98% of your competition by just doing something and doing it consistently. Now, Jump in and learn to build better rapport, learn to negotiate better, learn to talk to people better and watch before long, you'll have more people drawn to you. They'll choose you even over somebody that offers them more just because they wind up liking you better. So when I say to everybody that says that, I go, don't worry about it. Skip your competition. You can very safely assume they don't exist because they ain't doing enough. You get out there, do what you know you need to do. You will make it happen. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I'd say the same thing in, in different words, but the same thing. I said, you're better off gambling and, and betting on humanity's deficiencies and lack of ability to be consistent than you are betting on a new market. Yes. Right. You, yeah. you just answer the phone. Just answer the phone and you've eliminated so many. You know, there's that stat where it says like only 2% of the deal close on the first touch and such and such on the second. Yeah. And if you yeah. take all, all of those stats together, it's 98.7% is what it came out, I think, as of the whole market quits on an eventual yes. Yes. Right? Nobody has the patience to wait for. Right. And oh, heaven forbid they were told no. Mm-hmm. Then they run screaming and say, this doesn't work. This is late night TV garbage. Well, wait a minute. You know, I, <laughs> how do I say this nicely? <laughs> no doesn't mean no. No just means no right now. That means you got to go back and do a little bit more work and yep. talk to people a little bit more. And, and the time, or call them back in a month and watch what happens because time changes everything. Yep. Yep. I'm always surprised when I have students that get deals done and, and they're so shocked 
Like they're, they're surprised that it worked. They, you know, they made this huge investment on themselves. They're spending all their time and their extra hours and working on this thing. And they close the deals that they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. I was like, well, why did you start in the first place? Of course it works. <laughs> why did you think we were doing this? Yes. Yes. That's good. So let's see. New market. I mean, we're kind of shifting. What do you see for the future and how are you uh, changing the way you go about business? All right. Well, this is totally contrarian. I'm completely excited for the future, Matt, because I'm a creative real estate investor. I'm not your standard normal agent. I'm yep. not an agent at all. So if the market's falling apart, so to speak, and, and areas that weren't soft are now softening, right? But that just means like the rate at which things are selling is changing. That to me as a creative real estate investor is a good thing because the number one option that motivated sellers have is to list the property and see what they can get. Yep. Well, if that's no longer a good option or if that ain't going to happen fast enough anymore, they have to come to me. Yep. So I'm super excited that the, when I market the people, I'm not this random person contacting them now. It's, I'm a, you know, that's a pretty serious option now that, to call Tom because they can't just run to their local agent and expect the thing to sell in three and a half minutes of being listed. Mm -hmm. For sure. So is that changing the way you're doing business at all? The fundamentals, no, aren't changing. Mm -hmm. I'm just making sure that the consistency is there. I'm going back to a couple of lists that I haven't done in the past, but some less over what's changed as well. Like I, I've traditionally loved tired landlords, but during the moratorium, during you know what for a few years there, they, they didn't allow uh, evictions. So that, that, that slowed that list down. So I just pulled out of it, but I'm coming back into that now because there's a giant backlog of evictions and, and, and going through, uh, going through the system. So I'm, I'm happy to see some of that coming back. There's more when times get tough and inflation goes up and the economy gets rough and you can't buy, you can't sell your house quickly. There's less options available. There's more people available for me. I'm a happy camper. Yep. Yep. That moratorium, did that impact you at all? Yes, in, in terms of that marketing source of of uh, with your with your rentals that you had, did that, that did you feel it at all? Yes, um, you did. I, yes, I had one of my one of my units. We had an interesting scenario where people had stopped paying because why would you pay? The government told you you don't need to. Mm -hmm. No, and yet you know I still needed to pay the bank on it. On one of the units, I hired a landlord tenant attorney. Even in the midst of COVID, we were able to get the tenants out mm -hmm. and I recovered. I basically walked away, uh, even just mm -hmm. the way that one worked. But just so, one? Fine. I, just on the one unit. Yep. Yeah. I was, I was happy about that. It was the only one it affected me on. I got them out and so yeah. all's well that ends well. Cause we only had one also, but they moved yeah. out voluntarily. I'm sorry. I won't be able to pay. So I'm going to go move back with my parents and they just left. Oh, how delightfully honest. I, I was like, <laughs> I'd rent to them again anytime. Yeah. And I, you just see so much chatter, at least I do on in the comments and stuff of the posts and everything of people talking about how terrible it is to be a landlord with the next yeah. moratorium comes along and no one's going to pay. And I was like, that wasn't my situation at all. That wasn't my experience yeah. at all. Yeah. You had one, I had one. Not, that being said, a number of my members in, in my rear group, some of them got hammered horribly. Uh, so I think like a lot of things, some people were very lucky, some were unlucky. Mm -hmm. That's all has to do with your upfront work. If you're just slamming people in there, anybody that'll move in there and then yeah, you hear about, uh, Washington, they just passed a new thing that you can no longer check criminal backgrounds of your tenants. Oh, 
Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God. Was, but, well, they're trying to make it so you can't even ask income or income source at some point, at, at which I'm going, I, I don't know, man. I, that's, this is getting ridiculous. Everything can't be a protected class. I mean, I've got to be able to make a decision somehow. Right, right. Well, it's just the more the stuff that comes down, the more the, like, the conspiracy theories that were five, six years ago that you thought were totally insane. You're thinking like, well, gosh, we just keep on going the same direction and we're just nibbling away at it. Maybe there's something to this stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Hey, real estate, it's an essential thing for humanity to live and exist. And when it starts becoming scarce, that only does one thing to the price. So you want to own as much as you possibly can. That's my philosophy. Yep. Food, clothing, shelter. We're in the shelter business. Yep. I'm trying to figure out how to invest in water, but I haven't quite figured that out. <laughs> uh, if I could get some leverage on some water, that would be fantastic. But well, that's a uh, big thing in the West. So it's true. Cool. So, hey, Tom, it's been a pleasure. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Hit my website. Go to tomzeeb.com, T O M Z as a zebra, E E B as in boy.com. Whole podcast there on negotiating and great way of contacting me. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, bud. Let's stay in touch and we'll do it again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Matt. All right. Take care. And that wraps up the epic show. If you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that might too? There's a really good chance you know someone else who would. And when their name comes to mind, please share it with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here and I'll take great care of them. God loves you and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.